Allow me to um, introduce just briefly the passage that we will turn to uh, today for Scripture reading. In the verses under consideration today, uh, from 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 through 11, there is a principle, there is a truth that is real cause for gladness in the service of the Lord. Real cause for gladness in the service of the Lord. A principle for joy in service. Something that can stir up eagerness, a spark that can ignite eagerness. And that's important because our goal for service must be nothing short of gladness in it. You know the difference between have to and want to. And again, a Christian model of service for Christ and in his kingdom is incomplete without a discovery of gladness in it. Um, I think it can be easy to slip into a mindset, mindset that says, well, as long as I do what I'm supposed to, does it matter if I'm glad? But it's better news than that. It's better, better news than that. There is sufficient cause in the worth and goodness of God for all the gladness in serving. Sufficient cause in the worth and goodness of God for all the gladness. And I'm talking about authentic gladness. I'm talking about cheerful uh, cheerful eagerness in our service, and not only that, a durable gladness. Sometimes the service is not all that easy, but a, a durable, a um, foundational uplifting to service from the principle of which I speak. Our passage for direct study, again, is a focused portion of chapter 4 in First Peter. And it puts forward a few categories of our Christian walk, our service. Those are pretty standard categories, as it were. But again, the principle of which I speak is refreshing. It is, the principle is in fact universal to every aspect of our calling. It has everything to do with why you're here on the planet. And I think it's good, good, good news. Listen as I read, especially for reference to being, and I want you to retain this phrase from throughout the message, being stewards of grace. I hope we can retain that, not only for the next hour. <laughs> stewards of grace. One's called upon to receive from God and administer the overflow of God's goodness, his intent to bless, his intent to bless with grace, so that in all things God may be praised. To him be the glory. Um, so let's go ahead and read. This will be verses 7 through 11 in 1 Peter chapter 4. 
The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength God provides in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Begin with the subject matter of God's glory. And that's that this root principle that I'm talking about. The one that stirs up the eagerness. God's glory. And when you think of that, I mean, that's pretty standard Christian terminology, right? Glory of God. Glorify God in everything you do. Uh, that, that sort of thing. Can you, can you put words to it for understanding? For what is the glory of God? What is it to glorify God? If I put the microphone in your face, not to put any pressure on you. <laughs> but I mean, do, do we, are we familiar with that? You know, it must be really important. Think about this. The Apostle Paul, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, when he described his own salvation, the work of God in his salvation and the salvation of his fellow workers, he spoke of it in terms of God showing his light in his heart, and this is the quote, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. The light, the knowledge of the glory of God. Glory of God must be an important subject matter if he's going to talk about it like that. And... Not everyone perceives God as glorious. And even I who believe, I'll just speak for me, even I who believe, I need to grow in the acquaintance, perception of the wonder and goodness of God's glory. That's what's going to carry me along, to grow in that area. Um, so let's spend a little time on the concept of God's glory. And in doing so, I'm not getting away from the text. I, I want to understand why such basic features of the Christian calling are set in terms of giving Him glory. I want to I understand that when it's issues like self-control, when it's issues like sobriety, when it's issues like prayer and love and hospitality, and service, and speaking, you know, the, the, the elements in our lists, what has that to do with God's glory? And I think it's the, the encouraging principle is, in fact, is glory. A predominant Old Testament word for glory at its root brings in the idea of the sheer weight of a thing. Not literal pounds, but the sheer weight of a thing. Its importance how significant, 
how great, how majestic, in the weight of a thing. And of course, um, God is the most weighty in all the universe for meaning, for significance, for importance that way. Again, in every category we could name, God is what significance is about uh, in, in all of that. He is the one who both inspires awe and is due all honor. Listen to the words of Nehemiah 9 at verse 5 and 6. Blessed be your glorious name, which is exalted above all blessing and praise. You are Lord. You alone You've made heaven, you've made the heavens of heavens with all their hosts, the earth and all that's in it, the seas and all that's in them, and you preserve all of them. Glory there. So that, whether anyone recognizes it or not, God is essentially glorious in himself. C.S. Lewis put it this way, he is that object not to appreciate which is to have lost the greatest experience, and in the end, to have lost all. Um, and this glory has many aspects. It's not just matters of power, not just matters of majesty. Glory also has to do with qualities such as beauty, all kinds of reference to excellence in all categories we can think of. I'll give an illustration. When, when I was in junior high, I made, I made a little clay teapot. A little clay teapot, junior high. Um, and it was so cool, right? Because we got to use the kiln, you know what I'm saying? And, and we got to use two kinds of, of the, you know, the glaze on it and everything, and I could make it look like the snows on the top and everything like that. And my mom keeps it on the shelf to this day. That's not glorious. Not as pottery goes, as it were, <laughs> right? Because it doesn't have the, the mastery, the skill of all that. Heartwarming, okay, I'll give you that. Well, I don't know. Mom keeps it on the shelf <laughs> or whatever. But glory has to do with excellence. It has to do with ability. It has to do with skill. It has to do with beauty. It has to do with all of those things. Think about what King David said. In Psalm 27, verse 4, one thing I've asked from the Lord, and that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and gaze upon, you could probably finish the sentence, and gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Again, significance, worth, Importance, excellence, beauty, capacity, all of those things. And in one sense, glory has to do with dimensions, as it were, across the Scriptures. I'll give you another just a, a plain kind of illustration. If you were to stand at the, the, the top edge of Half Dome, anybody have been up there? I use this in sermons all the time. If you were to stand on the top edge of Half Dome, and it's about three-quarters of a mile straight down, you know, in front of you. But if you were to stand and look over the drama of that yawning chasm and towering 
peaks and all the waterfalls and say, well, that's kind of pretty. No, you'd be wrong. It's glorious. It's absolute majesty of glory and all of God's creative excellence in that grandeur, beauty. And that, that, that is what the biblical terminology has to do with. Concerning Him from whom comes everything that is good, everything that is beautiful, everything that is excellent. And glory has to do with matters of character as well, character, goodness. I think of the nature and goodness of God. God is glorious in such things as mercy. Glorious in mercy. Faithfulness, truth, justice, holiness, bounty, generosity, compassion. Everything that the meaning of life is made of, God is glorious in character concerning those things. I think of how Ephesians chapter 1 describes God's grace in our lives, having predestined us to be adopted to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will. Listen to this phrase. To the praise of His glorious grace, which He's blessed us, in, with which He's blessed us in the Beloved. Glorious in Love, glorious in compassion, glorious in mercy, glorious in all of those things. So we're, we're beginning to stack up a number of categories, as it were. Uh, importance, significance, worth, position, majesty, authority, dimensions, as it were, beauty, meaning, quality of character. God is the one to whom to look with awe and hope in all of those categories. What then does it mean, and here's another category of thought this morning, should have given an outline. What then does it mean to give God glory? It can't possibly mean to add something to Him. Right? It can't possibly be like the old uh, um, Peanuts Christmas thing where they take this Christmas tree, and they prop it up, and they glorify it a little bit. It can't possibly be that. Not at all. What it is instead, to glorify God, is to acknowledge and recognize and appreciate and, and love and hope in His characteristics. That's what to glorify God is. To, to recognize it, to appreciate it. Again, to hope in it. And maybe that's, that's one of my direct uh, addresses to you this morning. Do you perceive God as glorious? Does your heart perceive Him as glorious? Do you hope in Him? He is objectively glorious. But the thing is, what is your perception? I need to grow in that perception. But again, not everyone even perceives Him as glorious. I need to put that before you this morning. Scripture declares these good things. All the I'm trying to get some wonder and some beauty going you know, today. But at the same time, I've got to ask you whether you know Him for who He is. 
and all the good that he is. The other aspect of glory is to commend his goodness to others. To glorify him involves uh, hoping that another would also see it, his glory. Hoping that another would take heart in it, hope in it. That's the other aspect of giving him glory. And then, so, again, I'm not getting away from the passage. I'm trying to set the foundation for the passage. What does that have to do with serving in the strength that he provides? What does it have to do with making sure that our words are the kind of words that he would bring to the table? What does it have to do with um, taking a God-given capacity for help, for kindness, for serving others, for being hospitable, for showing love, for giving, for praying, for self-control, for sobriety. What does that have to do with His glory? It, it has to do with your own soul discovering how good He is. And in all of your behaviors and everything to commend that He, he could be hoped in. He really could with all of those categories there. That in everything God would be glorified. One more element of the whole biblical concept study of glory. You've got to hang with me clear through this. Uh, one more element from the New Testament. That one of the prominent New Testament words that pertains to glory has to do with how something or someone is regarded. If something is glorious, they are regarded according to that you know, con constantly used New Testament word for it. Um, and what that brings in, it's not like the Old Testament didn't have this, but, but what it brings in real clearly as I speak of it is the matter of relationship. God's glory is relational as He pours it out that it would be seen. Have you ever noticed across Scripture that words about glory often have a visual aspect? Glory shines. And that's relational. God intends that He be known. He intends that he be known for the good that he is, and therefore hoped in in that way. And that's where we get to be involved. It's a privilege. He, according to this passage, and he's going to say it in two important ways. According to this passage, he, he, is, he wills that you be involved in his glory being known. You. Everybody, every one of you. He wills that His glory be communicated, shared, so that people may turn to Him and hope in Him. And that's why it is stated the way it is. Again, there are two principal ways that it's talked about there. The first of those two is that He talks about us being stewards. That's the phrase I want you to remember. Stewards of His grace. Um. It says varied grace, like multifaceted grace, like grace that has many kinds of manifestations, right? But it, according to this passage, he or what, pours out grace to you, to you, and charges you with being a good steward to administer it. <laughs> You know, go bless somebody. <laughs> you know, bless. Why? 
So that people can know the glory of God. That's why. That's why. Go be a blessing. The other beautiful aspect of it is the fact that all of these things then are received capacities. Um, what, what He's calling upon you to do, He is giving you the ability to do it. He intends. I, I should say more strongly, He wills that He would bless through you and through me. That's an encouragement for me because I often feel like I don't measure up to the assignment. You know, go be a blessing. Oh, man, am I, do I have the capacity? The whole idea is that it's a received thing. Can't you, can't you step out and minister? Can't you step out and serve and love and proclaim the gospel and hope? In accord with these verses, I think we can. We can engage. We can get out there, be a blessing, because it's His will, His intent, His strength, serving in the strength that God provides. And I, I'm hoping that hearing of, of the wonder of who He is and all of these capacities that pertain to the meaning of life, the meaning of, of love and what it's for, and service and what it's for, and all of those things. I'm, I'm hoping that you can come from these words in Scripture lifted to your next assignment. It's What a privilege. That's, that's a reason to get up in the morning. You know? God intends that people receive His grace. You're on assignment. Get up in the morning. Put your feet on the floor. Get out there and serve, you know, in that way. And so um, I'm encouraged by that. Hope you are too. Let's pray as we, as we close. So Lord, here we are. Um, and I have longed, in your presence, I have longed for this congregation to be lifted today. Um, and, and that they could know from you how it is that you are intending and willing to be known around them in their sphere, um, the assignment you have, that they be a blessing in your name for your sake, that you may receive all the glory. Grant it to us, Lord. I need it myself. In Jesus' name.